Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's David Pembroke, and thanks once again to all of you for joining me in Transition, the podcast dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. I'm pleased to be with you once again as we bring you the insights and wisdom of some of the most interesting people in the world of content marketing in government. Today, we head back to the United Kingdom to talk to one of their most decorated local government communicators. But before we do that, it's time for a definition. Content marketing is a strategic and measurable business process that relies on the curation, creation and distribution of valuable, relevant and consistent content to engage and inform a clearly defined audience with the objective of driving a desired citizen or stakeholder action. My guest this week is Sarah Lay. Sarah is the Senior Digital Officer at Nottinghamshire Council and co-founder of the digital practitioner network LocalGovDigital, where she is currently the communications lead. At the Nottinghamshire County Council, her work involves both strategy and delivery of digital services, and she's currently the council's Digital First Project Officer. The project includes a new website, delivery of a social media strategy, work across microsites and extranets, and delivery of an intranet and employee engagement tools. These roles and her previous experience led her to be included in the local government shortlist for the Digital by Default News Digital Leaders 100 Awards in 2014. Additionally, her roles have covered content management to research and statistical analysis, user-centred design techniques and digital engagement. So, very qualified to be a guest on this humble podcast. Sarah, thanks for joining us in Transition. Thanks, David. Nice to be here. Sarah, I'm intrigued that uh, you, like many communicators around the world, are now heavily involved in these digital first projects, traditionally perhaps the work of the ICT area, but increasingly seeming to fall to the communicators. Why is that? Um, Yeah, it's quite an interesting question, actually. And I think for us here at Nottinghamshire and for me personally, it's because um, technology is the second part of the equation. It's really about having a customer-centric, user-centric approach and understanding what people want to do, sometimes what you want to drive people to do, um, and then finding the technology that supports that rather than looking at the solution first. And how widespread is that notion of customer-centricity or citizen-centricity established now in the UK? I think the Government Digital Service, with what they did with um, gov.uk over the last few years, and they've really helped to embed that sort of thinking. Um, It's still not as widespread as perhaps it could be, but certainly it's an emerging um, approach to how to do digital in the UK. What are some of the successes that they've had in in, in being able to uh, propagate that notion of, of user first? How How is it that they've been able to get that message out and get it adopted by innovators such as yourself? I think Gov.uk were mandated within central government here in the UK to make that change and take that approach to really question um, the way that central government departments were approaching digital projects and delivering those 
and to change the philosophy within central government. So they had a very strong remit to do that and, and were really able to run with that. And by working in a very open way, by sharing their thought processes, sharing their resources, sharing what went well as well as things that didn't go as well as they perhaps hoped they would, then local government has been able to pick that up. And people like myself who um, want to drive a change or are working within digital and local government have been able to sort of signpost um, leadership to that and give them some reassurance that actually changing the way that we do things, that's quite brave, but there are other people going first. So in terms of how you've actually then implemented that on the ground, can you give us some insight into some of your processes as to how you are working through this citizen first approach and how you are developing that digital first project? Sure. So Digital First is a two-year project here at the council and we're just about a year into it now. So um, the speed of local government means that probably most councils would just choose to tackle one or perhaps two of the work streams that that we're doing at the moment. Um, We look at it very much as an acceleration programme, so we're tackling all of the work streams at the same time. And we've really taken a customer-centric approach to that. Um, Our work is focused at the moment on the relaunch of nottinghamshire.gov.uk, which is the council's main um, citizen-facing website. Now, a year ago, we um, took quite a harsh look at that and realised that the savings that the council needs to make within its services over the next couple of years weren't going to be achieved through... Um, moving people to digital services because they couldn't do a lot of um, they couldn't access a lot of our services online and where they could the experience was pretty poor the website doesn't work on mobiles or tablets for example and we know that 50% of our traffic every month comes from those devices so um, to make those savings and to increase the customer satisfaction then we knew we had to do something and that really played across the other work streams that we're looking at as well in terms of our intranet the extranets that the council's got, the microsites, um, and also our social media approach. So we took a step back um, and we started actually um, a programme of talking to citizens specifically about what they wanted, understanding quite a lot of user research into who was already using our website, who was using our other contact channels, such as our um, customer contact centre why were they ringing? Why weren't they trying things online? Had they tried something and abandoned it? And from this, we started to grow a picture of of really who our users were beyond the, the sort of typical phrase in local government is that a council's audience is everybody in that geographic area. But of course, it breaks down into more specific audiences with more specific needs. So we started to get that really in-depth understanding of who was using our website or who could potentially be using our website if we could make it better for them. Through the process of designing it, then again, we've kept going back to users to understand whether what we're building is working for them, what could be changing, what could be better. So this started with, um, rather than just come out with one design, we created three working design prototypes for our new website quite small scale prototypes but with functionality in there that we could do some observational lab testing with um, our users with our customers so that we could um, ask them to go through a number of scenarios see which elements of which prototypes worked for them where they got confused where they got lost where it just didn't work at all and from that we merged the best bits of all three of the prototypes into what became our beta sites 
And again, in local government, I think we did something quite unusual in that we went into public beta um, about 100 days before we're due to go live with the site. So we've designed very openly, very transparently. We've actively sought feedback from our customers, but also our peers across local government and, and other industries so that throughout this beta period, we're really just iterating on a day-by-day basis to hopefully make the site as good as it can be come September when it becomes the official website of the council. And how's that going? It's going pretty well. We're about halfway through that beta phase now. I guess we've got about 45 days until September. So, yeah, we've made plenty of changes already, whether that's to the design or adding functionality, tweaking the content. Um, The site that we're moving from was about 30,000 pages in size, which even though Nottinghamshire County Council has about 500 services, is still a huge and unwieldy site. And we're really consolidating all of that information into what needs to be there. So for the first time, services are being asked not only what's the organisational need for this piece of content or this transaction, but who's the user for it and what are their needs? And they need to answer both parts of that question with our help, with our support, so that we can build the best content possible and the best journeys through the site. And we're really looking at every word on that website, justifying its reason for being there. If it's not helping somebody to understand or move through a journey, then it probably doesn't need to be there and we can we can cut down even further um, and really make the content as tight as possible um, so that we can get people through in an efficient way. So from the beginning of the process to the to the stage where you're at now, what have been the biggest surprises to you? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it's been um, a really um, lovely atmosphere to work in here at the council. It's quite unusual, I think, in local government to have everything you need going for a project like this actually going for you. So support from the leadership all the way through the organisation, a a budget available from our transformation um, pot of money that if we need it, we we can put some money into this project as well. Um, and the right skills in-house at the start of the project we did take a view as do we go external to the council and buy in expertise in terms of going to a, a content management system provider or a design agency or do we invest in skills in-house and, and we took that in-house route so that hopefully through the life of the project we can start to embed some of this thinking um, throughout the organisation around customer-centric behaviour and and user design techniques so that even after the project's finished, hopefully that mindset is sustainable within the organisation. And it's been really lovely how many services have really gone for that and not just sort of um, tried to stick with what they know and and fall into that comfort zone of, you know, our web page is working for us, we don't want it to change. They've been very open to us coming in as a team and sort of suggesting different ways of doing things and sometimes asking quite difficult questions for them to answer about their service and who they're delivering to and the ways that they are delivering it it's some of those questions start to go beyond digital into service design and delivery Um, and it's been really nice that we've got that in our remit that we can ask those questions and trigger those conversations within the organization but even going back to that beginning where you started the process, it sounds to me like it was no accident that you have engendered this level of support. So what did you do in terms of building that support within the council? What were some of the things that you did to get people ready 
for what essentially is a massive change in the way that they communicate with their particular audiences? So we spent quite a lot of time before the project officially kicked off, probably around about six to eight months, actually having a lot of conversations within the organisation and aligning different departments and, and different bits of the organisation with the vision for digital that we had uh, and providing quite a lot of evidence back to the organisation as well in terms of um, what the website or the other or, or the digital channels weren't achieving at that time and the possibilities of what they could achieve and how that matched with the strategic aims of the organisation. But we spent quite a lot of time talking with um, our IT department here and with our HR department. They look after our customer service centre, for example, and actually making sure that we were all aligned to the same vision so that when we went and talked to the leadership team or we talked to our elected members, the councillors here, then we had a very consistent view of what the evidence we'd gathered meant and how that would fit into the journey that the council was about to go on. And then we supported that as well with um, external experts, if you like. So we had um, a guy called Carl Haggerty, who's my the other co-founder of Local Gov Digital. He uh, does a very similar role at Devon County Council here and had, had was a little bit further along the journey than we were. So he was able to come in and, again, give some of those reassurances and, and ignite some of that fire within the teams here that this change is not always easy. It's not always the easy thing to do, um, but it is the right thing to do and that Devon were seeing returns on that effort and that Nottinghamshire could see that too. Um, so we really took a kind of mixed approach in terms of what we did internally and then validating that, supporting it with external people as well. Uh, and I think Nottinghamshire, in a lot of ways, was just ready for it. With the budget situation and the changing shape of the council in terms of the way that we manage some of our services, everything just came together at the right time for us to actually look at, at the digital platforms, the digital estate, and actually make that change. And what's some of your advice to people as they start down this journey? Because I think many people listening to this podcast all over the world are in exactly the same position that you were perhaps, you know, a few months ago. Some are mm -hmm. into the process, some haven't started. So what is just some really key advice that you could give uh, people to perhaps avoid some of the mine shafts and landmines you might have stepped on along the way? Yeah, I think evidence gathering and, and having a look around, you know, that could be within your local sector, within your region, within your country. It could be, you know, we looked globally as well at what was going on around the world. Have a look at who else is already on this journey. And it might not just be within government. You know, for us, we looked at other sectors as well, um, whether that's the sort of voluntary sector, um, health agencies. Uh, you know, everyone's organised in a slightly different way across the world. But there's some really good examples out there of where people have it started parts of this journey, even if it's not the whole thing that you're hoping to do. Then there's usually some evidence and learning. And what I found is that most of the time, people who work in the government sector are really happy to talk about what they've done, and they're even more happy to share the things that didn't go that well. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a nice sector to work in in that way, in that you, 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 everybody's looking to help support success and then learn from it again themselves rather than um, leave you out there exposed to fail on your own. But I think it, it's really important to 
my personal view is to have the the expertise in-house and have that supported by the organisation to not only use that expertise straight away, but to continue to learn as they go along through a project and bring in different thinking, try different things, and, and really to encourage your organisations and encourage your team and your individuals to be brave with what we're doing. It is public money that we're spending. We have to be careful that we're spending it in the right way and we're not being wasteful or we're not putting it into the wrong places but by gathering the right evidence by gathering this information from those who've gone before you you can make sensible decisions about any budget that you've got and you can try new things at the same time and push everybody forward so yeah I think I think my main advice is to talk to lots of people and be brave so come September when it's now live, how much of that new sort of platform ecosystem will be ready to go? You've got the new website, the the new social media strategy, the microsites, the extranets, the the intranet, the employment engagement tools. It's a fair suite of uh, a new platform that you're going to be operating from. Mm. How much of it is going to be ready and how much of it is, okay, we're just about good to go. Let's go because we know that probably in three months' time, six months' time, we're going to have to be changing and continuing to change. Yeah, this is very much a, a program of continuous iteration for us. So, Digital First is an acceleration program to get us closer to where we know we need to be. From there, we'll just be constantly building on it from what people tell us about their experience. So, come September, the website will switch over and we'll have a new website there'll still be work to do on that in terms of um a lot of our key customer journeys we we wanted to not just do a better digital delivery of those but look at the end-to-end process within the organization so that's offline bits of that bits that take part in the in the telephone channel and make sure that it all links up so Wherever the customer comes into that journey, whichever touch points they hit as they go along, however they come out at the other end, hopefully it's a joined up journey of of equal experience, whichever channel they're in. So there'll be still work going on um, on a lot of those customer journeys. There will undoubtedly be bits of functionality and bits of content that still need tweaking. But I think the website will be pretty much there at a general level certainly enough that it can be our official channel and people aren't missing information or um seeing bits that obviously aren't finished our social media um strategy will deliver along the same timelines and again we, we already have we already use social media here so what we're really doing is just realigning our social media so that it's a little bit um, less tactical in terms of the way it's organically grown over the last four or five years and is more aligned with the strategic aims of the rest of our digital channel and the organisation as, as a whole. The extranets and the intranet deliver slightly later, so we haven't done huge amounts of work on those yet. That will be what the team start concentrating on post-September until around about May next year when the project winds up. So there will still be plenty of work happening in terms of build time and testing. Uh, And then from there, I think it will just be this testing, iterating cycle will just become business as usual. That will just be what the team does at that point. Um, And we won't stand still. We don't want to get into a situation which is perhaps the traditional way of doing things where you do a big build phase and you have a big bang launch of a website and then you 
sit back for two or three years maintaining it and managing it but not really developing it and then you realize you have to go through the whole design process again we really just want to keep it flowing um day to day week to week um in line with changing customer behavior their changing needs changing shape of the council and changing shape of local government in in the uk there's all kinds of factors that that make con- uh, continuous iteration make sense to us now, obviously, a key part of driving that behavioural change, achieving the engagement that you are going to need to achieve to, to make those changes, content sits at the heart of that. Can you explain just exactly what your content creation and curation process looks like now that you're going to have the platform built? You've obviously mm-hmm. done an enormous amount of user research, which is, by the sounds of things, going to be ongoing. But how do you translate all of those insights into a content marketing program that you are now going to be able to sustain over time? So the process that we've got here is that our team is um, quite heavily resourced in terms of ratios within the team with content content experts. That's their sort of bread and butter, their background um, expertise. So they take all of that user research. Um, they talk to our service areas who obviously have the service delivery expertise in terms of what who's eligible, how is this service delivered, um, turnaround times for actually accessing a service and that kind of thing. They have those conversations with them and really try and get to the heart of what is the organisation need, what is the user need, who is the user at the end of this, and then put that together into um, a page or pages of content that really flow through that journey. So are they, then they it, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, but are those skills, are they journalistic skills or are they policy people skills or what sort of skills are those people who are creating that content? I would say that they are from sort of, um, yeah, journalism, PR, comms type backgrounds, marketing type backgrounds. So that kind of copywriter type expertise mixed in with um, a a lot of experience in digital channels in terms of understanding usability and accessibility and uh, not in a very in-depth way, but uh, uh, on a light level, things like interaction design and visual design. We do have those experts within the team as well to support that knowledge. But everybody has that kind of overview of how things work within the digital channel. So they put together the page or pages of content and then they do that testing to say, okay, well, these are the words that we've started with. Let's see how people use that. So we generate heat maps of where people are clicking or mouse scrolling along the screen. We capture little videos of how people are using those pages. We gather feedback from people who've actually been through it we talk to people we do post-it note tests all kinds of stuff to make sure that whatever the starting point is then we've pushed it a few iterations forward and then have those conversations again with the service as well to make sure that it's factually correct it may be radically different from what they've got at the moment on the current site we've seen some areas go from 20 plus pages down to a single page because the rest of the information just didn't actually need to be there. It's, you know, it's legacy content that needed to be deleted. It just hasn't been managed. All kinds of reasons. I'm sure you know how these things grow over time. Um, so we've seen quite a lot of consolidation. Obviously, that's quite um, a shock to the system for some services. Um, but actually understanding how we got to that point and seeing the evidence gives them that reassurance that actually that that's that's okay it's okay to go from 20 plus pages to one page 
if the information on that page is the thing that your service area needs to tell people and it's what people are actually looking for. But do you have any sort of future idea around sort of the editorial mix of your team that's going to be required or is it really just going to be fluid and you're going to move as required? You know, some areas may not require any sort of updating. Other areas are going to require a lot of uh, movement, a lot of updating, uh, a lot of change. And so therefore, without the site being live, you don't really know yet. Yeah, I think there's a certain element of of unknown in our content governance approach. What we have here at the moment and have done for the last four years, even before Digital First, is a centralised team within the organisation um, of content authors. So any changes to website, internet content would come through that centralised team and, and be done on behalf of the services. I don't see us moving away from that model immediately because we will have that period of working out how much there is to manage, the frequency of updates, the type of updates uh, and all of that kind of thing. So I think we will um, go through that period and understand it a little bit more and then reconsider our content governance model. It may be that we want to devolve the authorship slightly back to services or move to a a hub and spoke method where they're more supported but have access to make direct changes in some parts of the organisation. And I think that really fits into the bigger picture within the organisation as well in terms of the other sites that we're managing, the extranets, the the intranet, but also our social media approach as well. We really want to move to a create once, publish everywhere model where we're not duplicating a lot of the effort, but we're creating base content, which is sort of where the digital first phrase came from really, is that if we can get it right in the digital channel, then we can build blocks on top of it for other channels or for other uses so we can tweak the content to make it more visual for example for social media we can add more detailed quotes or information if it was going out as a press release to our traditional media we can deliver it in all kinds of different ways but if we can get the digital channels right that that's our foundation level and then we'll tweak and and publish elsewhere in appropriate ways you said that you've got or you're quite happy with the resourcing that you've got there in terms of your team. Can you give us some sort of indication as to what that team looks like and what sort of skills are covered by the people that you have on your team? Yeah, sure. So we have a a big project team at the moment, which is just um, fixed term within the council for Digital First. There are a couple of permanent members of staff, but the majority of people are on fixed term contracts. And what we've got at the moment is three senior digital officers, uh, of which I'm one. And we've been working mostly in digital for quite a long time now for myself, about 15 years in in public and private sector Um, background in in journalism. That's the way that I trained and and came through the digital world that way. We've then got a number of, I'm just trying to count up in my head quickly, about seven digital content officers who are those content specialists I spoke about. Mm-hmm. And they do elements of that user research and training. They look at analytics. They manage our social media profiles day to day as well. So they've really got the overview of content across all the channels. We then have um, two digital design officers who look at the interaction and the visual design. So they do the creative and then they do the sort of CSS and HTML type coding. 
And then outside of the team, but within the organisation, there are front-end developers as well. So we work quite closely with them. Um, they support our content management system. So we've just moved to an open source system called Umbraco. They support that and do the programming around web apps, look at bringing in APIs and all of that kind of thing. And then the other people that we work a lot with are our customer service centre. They have development officers down there, obviously looking at this process design within the council with a specific focus on the telephone channel, but more broadly on, on what the customer needs. So we work with them a lot as well. So there is a direct digital delivery team and then there's this supporting, um, supporting functions around the organisation as well that we tap into. And post the conclusion of the project in and around September or perhaps, say, a couple of months after that, what will that ongoing team look like? I don't know, <laughs> um, <laughs> is the honest answer. So, yeah, Digital First funding runs up till May next year, which is when the intranet's due to deliver. So we're really looking at the moment okay. at starting that process now of considering... Um, what would a digital resource look like for the council? A lot of things that have been unclear to us in terms of the council has changed shape slightly in the services that it delivers. Local government has changed shape a little bit as well. We're looking at it more broadly within the context of communications and marketing, which is the team that we sit within at the council as well. So, yes, we're just starting to go through that process now of actually trying to have a look six months down the line and say, um, what will the organisation need to to continue working in this way? Um, not with such a, a heavy delivery load, but certainly with a, a real focus on customer-centric digital delivery. How involved has the communications and marketing team been with your project? Um, very. We're an integrated team here. So we sit alongside um, a marketing function and a, a media team. And then there is a graphics, sort of offline graphics function as well. Um, so the project sponsor, Martin Doan, is the service director here for communications and marketing. And then you've got a group manager for communications and marketing, Claire Yao, who's workstream lead, so sits on the delivery and the strategic groups. So they're obviously very interested from a project level, very interested from a practitioner level as well in terms of um, managing that team day to day, integrating digital skills more widely with marketing and media. So the digital team uh, alongside Digital First are doing a lot of that sharing and supporting work so that the marketing team can really take forward end-to-end -end digital marketing, content marketing in that channel. The media team can um, widen their focus perhaps we don't intend to move away from traditional media because that's quite a strong area for us in Nottinghamshire, but to really broaden out and look more at online influencers who may be individuals or smaller community groups or um, individuals with a geographic area of interest and, and using those as well in our media mix. So we're doing a lot of support to really make a lot of digital part of a lot of people's jobs as we go forward as well. Mm. Where do you think it will ultimately rest? Will it will it likely sit in underneath that marketing communications to sustain it over over the over over the years? Um, I, I think at the moment that's the intention here at Nottinghamshire, and it's certainly something that I'm seeing more of at other councils through my work with Local Gov Digital. Is that uh, you know, as we said at the beginning, then the move seems to have come away from IT based teams. 
and IT-based web managers, more towards communications and marketing or perhaps in a customer service area as well. And we see some of the councils have gone down that route and put their digital function alongside their customer service um, offline channels. So I think there's, I think for me, it can sit almost anywhere within your organisation as long as there's that shared vision. Mm. Everybody's aligned to that. And that there's a, a, a culture within your organisation of the success or the delivery belongs to the whole organisation. And the team has to sit somewhere. But ultimately, as long as everybody's working together to that shared vision, then we can all share that success. Now, you mentioned that early on, you, you got out and you did the preparation, you did the consultation, but throughout the program, what are, again, some of the successes that you've had? Is it just because you've, you've kept talking to people, kept going back to people, kept asking their opinions, keep, kept getting them engaged that's enabled you to continue to make the progress you have? I think so. And, and having a quite high level of expertise in-house anyway is that we can get to those the point where we want to go out and test a lot quicker perhaps than than mm. where that expertise isn't available in-house. We've certainly found that having an in-house team has made us more flexible and we've been able to react faster. So in projects I've worked in before where they've been set up that you're working with a, a, an external partner, there's obviously a bit of back and forth there and time passes because you have to fit into their schedule and they have to fit into yours. Whereas here, if we want to change something, we can do it within half an hour or however long it takes us to write the code to do it. And that's been a really nice feeling, being out in beta and having comments um, from peers and interested people as well as customers has really helped us to um, validate some of our thinking, perhaps some of the stuff that we're pushing a little bit further um, beyond the norm for local government. So it's been um, reassuring to be able to get those comments as well as actually show us that perhaps in some cases we haven't pushed far enough and we, we could make braver choices. So I think, yeah, that openness, the testing, but having expertise and, and, and being quick to react to feedback has all contributed to the speed at which we've been able to deliver so far and, and hopefully will continue to help us deliver at that, at that speed as well. Yeah, I'm interested though that really in in building your team, it sounds like you've recruited to have that capability internally and brought people inside, and I think that makes a lot of sense. But I wonder whether or not once the project finishes, is that expertise going to leave the building? There's that potential. Yes, I think um, what we've tried to do is share that expertise around. So make sure that we are having conversations with people. Make sure that we have been back and spoken to our leadership team and our, our councillors here and really shown them rather than told them what we're doing. So we've shown them real examples of what we're building and why we're building it in certain ways. Or in some cases, we've shown the bad examples, if you like, of, well, we could do it this way and that would be quicker or we could do it this way. And, and when they walk through it themselves, they see what we're talking about with user experience. So we've done a lot of that showing and telling. We've done a lot of talking to services in a way that makes sense to them, but that starts to embed that customer-centric thinking so that hopefully, even if the digital resource does diminish, even if some of those skills do leave the building, as you say, which is a possibility, hopefully there's some of that thinking embedded within the organisation 
And I think with Digital First, it is a, a transformation project here at the council, although my role is very much focused on the practical delivery of these projects and the practical day-to-day management of the team that are doing it, it has seeded and supported a, a bigger um, wave of culture change that's that's coming through the organisation at the moment. And, and that's um, as part of a wider transformation, wider than digital. There's lots of things happening um, in response to the council changing shape and, and the austerity measures that are in place at the moment. But we are seeing that culture changes that people are starting to think differently. And part of that is thinking about digital in a different way. Um, yeah, so exactly. hopefully, hopefully, yeah, even if some even if some do leave the building, as you say, then then that mindset has started to change and there'd be a sustainable element there. I'm intrigued by that answer, really, around that broader uh, cultural change that you're seeing that's mm-hmm. being driven out of this digital first project. What what are some of the maybe the, some of the quick things or some of the small things that you've seen that are, are meaningful in terms of the change? So I think that openness to delivering in a different way is is one of them and and not to be underestimated in itself, really. I think when we first started looking at what became Digital First, when we first started asking questions about our existing platform, we quite quickly came to the conclusion that there was obviously a practical project here that we needed to do to get ourselves to where we needed to be for the customers, but that we couldn't separate that off from a culture change within the organisation if this was to be sustainable, if it was to keep moving forward. And so getting the leadership to that point where they're happy for user testing to decide to a certain extent what the website looks like rather than a set of designs being presented to them and a board picking the one that they like. So moving towards that more user experience, evidenced approach, they've been very open to that and very... um, curious actually about the sort of thinking and the methodologies behind that and although that perhaps sounds a little bit vague and a little bit woolly I I, I think it can't be underestimated within you know local government is quite cautious in its thinking certainly in the UK then it's quite a risk-averse culture they like doing things that they've done before because they know that it works um, so to start opening them up to different approaches, to different thinking has been great for the practical delivery of the project because it's allowed us to push forward in ways that perhaps we would have, wouldn't have been able to in other organisations. But I think it's the start of that longer culture change within Nottinghamshire County Council as well. And maybe just a final question. You've also referred there a couple of times to the austerity measures that are in place in the UK. What role have have they played? And could I put it to you that the austerity measures really have played a key role in being able to open up that culture? Because instead of being complacent and holding on to the things of the past, people now clearly understand that things have to change. And if they don't change, people will change things for them. Possibly, yes. Uh, I mean, without getting too much into a sort of political debate, which um, isn't in in my power to do, then I think certainly there's changes, budgets and austerity measures being one of them, the changing organisation of local government, changing expectations from customers, opening up services that were perhaps once had a monopoly on delivering in a geographic area are now 
what we would call traded services or in uh, com- competing with the voluntary sector or private sector um, to deliver some of those services means that change the, the thinking has to change and you do have to question how you're delivering a service or how you're presenting your delivery of a service if you are going to on the one hand meet budget savings which are there are a thing that are happening but also to meet that those customer expectations or to be competitive in a marketplace for the service that you deliver then it 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 has um encouraged or triggered changed thinking and yes perhaps allowed some of that control to be relinquished a little bit because there isn't that option anymore we do need to try new things and we do need to change well sarah light Massive amount of value for the audience today. I think they can take away so much from your experience there at Nottinghamshire. Just some of the things that I will take away are the importance of preparation, the importance of having experienced people preparing well in advance of any time that you want to start your digital project, getting your platform updated and ready to go. Consultation, absolutely vital. When you talk to people, you listen to people, you assemble assemble the evidence, and it's not just in your local area, it's not just in your country, it's around the world, and it's not just in your industry. There are insights all over the place that you can bring to bear to win the argument. Be brave. Make sure you can be brave and really step out there and, and seek the support to be brave capability and having it internal. What a fantastic insight there from Sarah about being able to move quickly. Who of us haven't worked on a project where it goes outside, you have to get involved with those timelines and all of a sudden something that you thought was going to take a couple of days is a couple of weeks, it's off track, it's out of control. So building that internal capability, I think, to governments all over the world is so important to have it in-house. Digital first, continuous iteration. It's not an endpoint. It's really the start of the new way of doing things, the new way of thinking things, the, the start of being less tactical and more strategic and ensuring that the content you create, the value that you deliver is well and truly linked to the business objectives of the organisation. So Sarah, thank you so much for that. That is just a, a wonderful example, a wonderful case study. I hope someone's written it up somewhere for an academic journal somewhere because it sounds like post-September in the weeks, months and years ahead, you're really going to achieve some wonderful things for the people of Nottinghamshire. Let's hope so. That's, that's certainly our intention. Thanks very much for joining us in Transition. Thanks, David. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.